Welcome to the 200% Life Podcast, your weekly insights to spiritual growth and business success with Adam Hergenrother and Hallie Warner. All right, today we are joined by two very special guests, um, Adam's two daughters, Sienna and Maddie. We're going to start off with uh, Sienna and ask Sienna a couple of questions. So this summer I heard that you went to, which amazed me, a three-week sleepaway summer camp when I was a kid, I was never, I never even went to, um, to camp, let alone a sleepaway, because I was so nervous about going away from home. But tell me about your experience with that camp, and what did you do? Um, so when we were there, like, we had, like, cabins, and each cabin, some cabins had six girls, and the other ones had nine girls. And I was in one of them with nine girls and three counselors, which was very hectic. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um... What did, what did you do? Ever, like, what was kind of a typical day for you? Um, in the morning, we would wake up at 7.30 or 8. It depends what we did the other night. So, like, every Wednesday we had a social with the brother camp called Sangamon. And that was fun. Um, and so the next morning, Thursday morning, we'd sleep till 8. So we had extra rest time. Nice. That's what the director said. Her name's Lori. Cool. Um We'd wake up, and then we'd go to breakfast, and then we'd have a job wheel, and there was something called a waitress. And the waitress would go 15 minutes before every meal, and she would help set up the tables, um, get all the food ready, and, like, yeah. Cool. And so was that one of your jobs? Mm-hmm. I did that twice. Oh, you did. Cool. What did you think about that? It was fun, except... When in the mornings you had to wake up at exactly seven thirty. A little early. Yeah. Yeah. What other some? What were some of the other activities you did throughout the day? There was like drama, and we had we the drama put on a big play, and I was actually in the play. What What part did you play? It was Finding Nemo, and I was oh, cool. in the tank, and I was um a pink starfish. Yeah. Oh, I love the starfish. Yeah. Yeah. So at home now I have a bright pink wig. Cool. And we do that. There was archery, farm, garden, did those sometimes, and then there was arts and crafts, swimming, and at swimming, you'd have swim lessons every day, and you get tested if you're first year, so I got tested, and I was perched too, and then I moved up to bass one. Cool. Did you learn, like, all the different strokes and yeah. things like that? Yeah. Were you on a lake, or was it in a... It was a pond. Oh, okay. But it was, like, a big pond. Very cool. What was your favorite part of the three weeks? Uh, hanging out with my friends yeah. there. Yeah. Did you know some of them from before, or were they all new? They were all new. Oh. Some of them for, were from, like, Connecticut, Mass, and Colorado. Oh, wow. So. Very, very cool. Far away. That's awesome. Would you do it again? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go next year. Good. That's awesome. Okay. Next up, we have Miss Maddie. So, first of all, tell us how old you are. Six. Okay. And I heard that you went to some sort of camp called Rugged Adventures. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Tell us about it. It's like a camp that, like, you go biking. And, like, it's like a biking camp. Like mountain biking? Mountain biking and just waggle biking. Like on the road? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And do you do that with other kids? Or what, yeah. what is it like? In, on a mountain? No. Like on trails? 
We do hiking. Oh, and hiking and biking. Swimming rivers. So all the outdoor adventures. Yeah. Okay. What was your favorite part of that? Biking. Okay. Like, just love feeling the wind in your hair and going fast. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to share? Um, uh, I do it on the wet pass. In, uh, in Stowe? Yeah. So cool. Oh, and you've done lacrosse this summer or during school year? Yeah. Or both? Both. Do you know what position you play? Oh, attack. Oh, attack, yeah. You know, I played lacrosse too, and I was also attack. I got my first shot on goal. Amazing. How'd that feel? Good. Yeah. I, I love to, I love to um, shoot on goal too. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, are you learning like how to cradle? Yeah. And all of that? And then after biking, we eat lunch. Oh, yeah, that's always a fun part, right? Something healthy? Yeah. Like what? Like, and we make bracelets. Oh, cool. Like rubber band bracelets, like that. Oh, you make those, yeah. Do you sell them or are you giving them away for free? Both. Oh, you do. how much do you charge for those? Five dollars. Yeah. I know. I, I've bought some of your paintings before, some of your pictures before. I have a cheetah from you, which I love. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining today, Maddie. One of the reasons why I like to, uh, um, well, thank you for interviewing the kids. It was good. Oh, yeah, they always yeah. love being on the podcast. They're coming in there. They're like, are you guys going to do a podcast? And I'm like, in fact, yes, we are. And they're like, yeah. can I be on it? I Sienna's know. made an appearance on it a couple times before. Yeah. yeah, Sienna's a little bit of a pro, I feel like. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and Maddie did a great job. Well, oh, Sienna's uh, more outgoing. Maddie's more yeah. introverted yes. uh, in that way. And you can see them in their personalities and they show up, which is totally. which is why... Maddie doesn't like to even do sleepovers, and Sienna wants to go to a summer camp for seven weeks, right? Like, yes, and well, like, interestingly, she said her favorite part it was all, like with all her friends. Yes, she Hanging loves the activities. Yes, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, that sounds terrible. I know, or meeting all those new people new and people, being on the whole time. Yeah, and she loves yeah. it in a and, cabin with like nine other people, and like oh, I know it's no, no. it's it's wild. But they it, the camp's been around. It's called Betsy Cox. Betsy Cox. It's been around for over a hundred years. Is it in Vermont? It's in Vermont. It's in Pittsburgh, Vermont. So it's oh, down south. Yeah. It's like an hour and forty minutes from here or so. It's yep. on top of a mountain. They have like a big rushing waterfall leads into a huge pond. It's really beautiful, cool. right? It's it's great for it. Um, and I will tell you that as much as it pains me to not have her around for those three weeks, she, they grow, they really okay. mature. I okay. think she really, I was trying to figure out why she loves it so much. And I think is she loves being independent in mm-hmm. that way. Like she loves like having, being outside that nest. And I think she, uh, I think she, it's good for them because they definitely, 12? she's 11. Yeah. yeah she She'll was, be 12 in 12 January, January. So yeah. yeah. Uh, 11 and a half. Yeah, but that's so, probably about that. Yeah, but she loves kind of that. She loves the responsibility of things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was trying to say to Sarah there at night. Yeah. Was that it's the responsibility that she loves. Anyways, one of the things I love and bringing. And she's also the oldest. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. I also love bringing the kids into the office just because it gives them a chance to see kind of what work is. And I think growing up, I always, my dad used to work at IBM and he'd work nights. And I remember a couple of times just vividly that we dropped off like his dinner or lunch to him. Like either he forgot or whatever it was. And it was like seven or eight o'clock at night and we'd bring it to him. And I used to be fascinated. Like, what was it behind the scenes, right? Like, what was it like? What do you do? Like, who do you interact with? What are the conversations that are happening? Um, I don't know if you ever do that with kind of other businesses. I think we do that to some degree. And so I think giving them a peek of to what 
what it looks like, what businesses gives them an impression of different things, how they can run it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that depth of experience is good. And just also teaching them, right. Teaching yeah. them about the different things. And, you know, it's funny and, and people that have kids have, or have seen this and, or, um, or if you have, you know, nieces, nephews, whatever it is, when they are at work, a lot of times they don't ask a lot of questions. You don't really think they're always observing it. And then over the next week, they'll bring up moments that have happened at work and they'll ask, why did you say that to them? Or, or how come you said this? Or like <laughs> Asher was here, um, you know, during school and time and I forget I was on a call and I, I, I said something and I don't remember exactly what I said. It was kind of like, it was something on the lines of like, well, this is where you push through challenges and kind of never give up, something like that. And uh, something showed up. It was like the simple thing, like we're going to the movies and we couldn't get tickets. And he's like, well, dad, you know, you said, you know, you got to push through challenges, never give up. (laughs) And it was like a week later and he used it verbatim of what I said on the phone, not even thinking he was even listening to me. And so well, it's funny how they, they pick up all that stuff that's there. Well, yeah, and I was just going to say, I mean, how how much really do you remember of your childhood? Like some people, of course, remember more things than others. But I got to tell you that um, speaking of go, like we would go and see my dad at work because yeah. he was the captain of a Coast Guard ship. And actually, even before he was, we would get to go on the ships a lot and go ex- see what it was like. Explore, like where did yeah. he work? Where did he where did they eat? Like yeah. whatever. But then of course, when he became a captain, we got to sit in the wheelhouse and we got to like do all the things. Those are some of the most vivid yeah. memories I have. And then, and that was in my earlier years. But then I think when I was like probably Sienna's age, maybe a little bit older, um, my uncle did not have any children. So on the take your daughter to work mm. day that happened down in New York city, he worked at time magazine. Again, one of the most vivid memories. Yeah. I went there and we got to see what it was like to actually create a magazine whatever, whatever, throughout throughout the day. And again, such a vivid memory. And then that's actually when I decided I was like, I want to work for magazines. And I decided I wanted to go into journalism, which then quickly realized I don't want to talk to people all day. So I switched my major to English. But it's just interesting, those yeah. tiny little different, you know, different moments, you know, you, you never know what people are going to pick up or what they're going to think and see. And yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's just opening people to a different experience. Yeah. And then I feel like I should have gone to the military, but that's a whole other <laughs> chapter. I, I tell you what, I, it's <laughs> funny. We'll, we'll move on from, from this, but I, there's many, many times where I feel like I would have loved and thrived in the military in a different world and in a different life. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was too. for me. Um, and I definitely would have gone to some sort of higher level echelon of either military or SEALs or whatever, or Air Force. Actually, I realize I'm not probably somebody to fly a plane. Oh, because I did that whole, we already talked about that in the podcast, but it was, Tom Cruise makes it look way easier than it is. And it's way more difficult. And I don't like being cramped up. It's so small in those things. I mean, it's really cool, but I'd much rather be free and movement and all that stuff that goes along Navy or Army are, I think, are appealing. Or Marines. Mm. Yeah. I I could see being a sniper. A sniper. Interesting. Um, I am a pretty good shot. Yes, you are. Oh, speaking of that, I, uh, one more funny story. Uh, actually we'll, we'll share that um, at a different time. Yeah, exactly. But uh, well, now I want to know what it is. I know. All right. Okay. So deeper awareness. What does that mean? It's a great transition. (laughs) That just gets to that, to deeper awareness. What does it mean? Uh, well, Well, I mean, this is all based off of this, um, you know, we're working with our project U students and, you know, just having conversations and things with them. And so you were sharing about this whole concept of deeper awareness. Um, do you want me to yeah, just read talk it. a little bit about it? Okay, so you um, shared there's a meditative quality to meditating on thoughts and rearranging your thoughts for the better and for getting clarity of thought. That's wonderful. The deeper awareness I want you to focus on is the awareness of self. It's not mind-generated at all. It's a total awareness of self. It's awareness of something foreign 
because you're so addicted to being aware of thought or emotions. There's a deeper presence that you can bring into each moment, which is the presence of you. And I feel like this is where the you're aware that you're aware that you're, that aware. you're aware comes in. Which it sounds like some of our students finally started got. getting that. Yes, I'm still a little confused, but um, so you encouraged everyone who were you want to talk, well, let's talk about the deeper awareness first. Yeah, and well, really what that means. You know, and I try to write to our group um, three or four times a week in, just as reminders because when you go on this path, there's so many external forces that will want to pull you out of it. Like, you know, everyone from, from business to sports to work to life, all of it just kind of wants you to go get what you want so you feel better temporarily. I mean, that's really what the world is doing, right? And and this is all, I'll circle this back in a second. But just so it's really important when people are on this path, and, and you've decided, right? If people, some level of suffering has probably happened in somebody's life to cause them. I don't mean suffering like you broke your arm, going through divorce or bankruptcy. I mean, just like you've just reached a moment where you realize I don't want to suffer anymore mentally. You know what I mean? I think the listeners yeah. understand what I'm re- referring to there. Not suffering like physical pain or mass psychological trauma every day. Just the stuff that's like, oh, I don't like the fact that it's raining out. Or I don't like the fact that this person got a raise. Or, I don't like just the little things that you suffer on every single moment. So the, the point of that, of bringing the deeper awareness is people, uh, some of the questions that we started to get were a month or a month and a half into our new uh, group of Project U. And you can start to see the it, it taking shape a little bit. And a text message that I got was about uh, something that they're aware of their the thoughts and they're trying to rearrange the thoughts. And so what people start becoming aware of is they start becoming aware of the thoughts they have, but then they think their next inclination is to get their thoughts in a way that makes them feel okay. So they were trying to really work on making and rearranging thought. Which I was going to say is what a lot of these yes. personal and self-development people teach, yep. which is, a, like you've said, is a yes. great first step. Absolutely. But it's all, what a lot of that teaching is, is like, um, think positive, have a pot, like if you go have a negative thought, then make sure you're switching that to positive or use a positive affirmation. But your, but your point is yeah. that that's still just the mind you're just using, uh, that's still the mind just creating a different thought. Yeah. And that's, that's where I think spirituality and psychology differ. Uh, those psychology is gaining where psychology tries to work on the psyche self or the concepts or the ego that you have. It tries to really rearrange that in a way to get it. So you get what you want to a certain extent. Um, not just that's a general blanket, but for the most part, that's where psychology and spirituality differ. And so for this is it's going one, one, one layer deeper. And it's not that you're not going to work at that level. In fact, I still work in that level as well too, at times it just depends on what kind of state you're in. It's important to know what level you're working at. Just like, you know, if you're going out and playing a sport, there's going to be times where you just, let's say you're playing tennis, you may work on your backhand and you may get it pretty good, but then you're going to work on your backhand again, right? Or there's going to be times where you've lost your control of your backhand, so you have to go back to the fundamental basics and kind of go there. The same thing happens in spirituality, right? Spirituality or just personal growth or whatever you want to refer to it as. So the deeper awareness of you, so once you move beyond thought, right, that you realize, okay, there's all this thought here, but what if I just look beyond it, right? Like it's like if all of a sudden you're looking in your room and you're staring at a cup, that says Jackson Hole, right? And you're staring at it all of a sudden and you're trying to rearrange the colors in the cup and make it differently to look to your left and you can see there's a hat or a picture and then you can look and you see there's a whole there's a whole room and then there's a whole outside room, right? That you can start to get a, a bigger awareness of what you've been fixated on. And so if you've been staring at a cup your entire life, the only thing you're ever going to know is the cup. So the cup is green, it says certain words. So that's the only experience you're going to know because that's all you've been staring at. 
that's an analogy for what people are doing is all, all they know is thoughts and emotions that are generated from the self-concept of the ego because they've been staring at it and paying attention their entire life. Now, the words change, but fundamentally, it's about getting what you want and avoiding what you don't want, right? I think we all agree on that, that that's the basis of what the mind does. And so this, this meditative quality of, of putting your awareness on you gets you outside of that. All of a sudden it says, just kind of turn that around. Let the thoughts be the thoughts. That's the nature of the mind. It generates thoughts. Let it do its thing. But go deeper and allow those things to express themselves, have themselves, do whatever it is. And it's something you're experiencing just like you experience rain or you experience sun or clouds. You're just experiencing them. And so that deeper state is to put your presence in the direction on who you are. Who is the one that is experiencing the thought? Who is the one that is actually realizing that there's a self-concept in here that's trying to rearrange the thought? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So all it does is just one more layer deeper because it's, it's really neat that people are interested in trying to rearrange their thoughts and it's a wonderful state to start going after. The absolute truth is to put your focus on, um, on what matters absolutely. I guess that would be a better way of saying it. What matters absolutely is who is the one who notices that. Because you can never, you're, remember, your ego can never be your spiritual advisor. So the ego cannot be your spiritual advisor. You cannot go to it and ask it the question to rearrange it because it doesn't know. It's still playing at that same level. Okay, so what I've heard so far, and tell me if I've got it, is instead of, I mean, being aware of your thoughts is, yeah, a good first step. But it, it's a deep, the deeper awareness is not just being aware of your thoughts, but actually moving back further and being aware of yourself, or where, sorry, aware of self. Yes. And then understanding that self, like who really is self. Because when you're, yes, you're absolutely right. Because when you're aware of self, you're not attached to thought. And that's another way of saying when you're present in the present moment, there is no, you can't be present in the present moment and having attached to thought. It doesn't mean there can't be thoughts going there. It just means you're not attached to them. Mm-hmm. You're aware of a thought. Then you're aware of the, the person that's sitting in front of you. Then you're aware of your emotions that you feel. Then you're aware of how your body feels. You're aware of what temperature it is. You're just aware that you're aware, right? You're, you're in this present moment. But when you're attached to thought, you're not in the present moment. You're in mind. You're in thought. You're in emotion. So what people, when they, when they start to get glimpses in the beginning of what it's like to just, oh, man, there are all these thoughts in here, they then jump back in the thought and play around with it. Which is, which is wonderful. It's a great, it's a wonderful thing to do, but you're still playing around with thought versus, and you're, it's, it takes years to, to work on this, lifetimes. You just turn a little bit more and then you realize there's a whole deeper echelon of who you are, which is this, this, the awareness that can never, by the way, ever be satisfied by your self-concept or ego, meaning it can never be explained in that way. You can use words that help you become in pointers, which is why, you know, um, you know, for thousands of years they used koans, right? Which is just ways of, of tricking the conscious mind of not being able to comprehend what it means so you could get out of that. I mean, again, this is all, that's kind of what a koan is, essentially what I was talking about for deeper awareness is just a different way of getting out of your mind and out of your thought to put your attention back on who is the one. That's, that's really ultimately the matter is that when you get really caught in the mind, and if you're still seated, the number one thing that I always do is just remind myself, and I go, well, who's aware that I'm frustrated right now? Who is aware? Because what it does is it keeps me present. It's just a little technique that I use. And then what's the answer? Use. The answer is never uh, revealed in the mind. However, 
if you want to answer it with your mind, the answer should be the one who experiences all of this. But you can say it with words, but it has to be experienced for you to understand the experience of it. So when you say, when I ask the question of who is the one that is aware that I'm experiencing anger right now, or who is the one who's feeling very high from this event that just happened? And I'm always putting that, also just putting that attention on who I am, which is again, the awareness of it. And, and that, who you are cannot be answered in words. It can just be pointed back in the direction and then you have to experience it. Exa- I mean, the, the classic example that I love to use in this is that you can point to a menu of what you want to eat, but it's not eating the meal. And so when you're in mind, it's tr- actually not eating the meal. You're actually reading a menu. Because the mind is not present moment. It's not life. It's either past or future. It's not present. Okay, again, let me just yes. make sure I'm with you tracking. So when you say who is the one that is feeling frustrated, you typically, even if it's not necessarily mind generated, you're just, you're like, the who, who is the one? And you say the one who is experiencing if I, feel the, if I feel the need for, if I feel like I'm getting and I'm slipping, like I almost want to touch the emotion or thought, I will use more verbal cues to keep me away from it just as a technique. And I'll use that as like, well, who's the one that wants to go and touch this thought right now? The one who's experiencing it. And then I'll say like the one who's witnessing, the one who's experiencing the fact that I actually know that I'm experiencing a thought. Yeah. And then so what Which that, is you. Which is me. Which is you. Which is who you really are. Yes. Which is the one who's not your body, who's not your thoughts, who's the one who actually survives death, all of the stuff, right? It's just, it, that's, it's consciousness. It's a form of consciousness, whatever you want to refer to it as. And everything else is just object of consciousness. Yeah. So I, I have a couple of other questions about this, but I want to ask this question that one of our participants at, had, because we're kind of on that topic. They said, so is the self silent? Otherwise, is it the silent observer or does it have a voice? that little voice in the head. Intellectually, I believe there could be multiple voices, but then again, that could be the mind playing with you. What do you think? Well, um, I mean, it's kind of like I when I wrote back, I mean, the reality is, is anything that's mind generated, so let me just back up for a second. There's different vibrational levels of consciousness, right? So, I mean, well, th- there's there's vibrational levels that are that get denser and then there's which are lower emotions or get denser and then there's more higher emotions that are that can be um, higher vibrational frequencies. We kind of know that there's just the different vibrational frequencies of things. Mind generated thoughts are a much lower vibrational frequency, right? So it's much lower and it feels heavier when that thought comes in. Uh, it feels like it, there's a there's a desire around the thought is around me or I, which is generated from the self concept. It doesn't mean when you are, there's things that you can say that you don't know, but it comes from consciousness. So it's almost like it drops into mind and then it's spoken into the physical world. So there's a different vibrational frequency from when thoughts drop in from consciousness um, or again, whatever you want to refer to it as the field of, of, of everything. It manifests its way into you and you pick it up and you can share it. The, the ego-based or self-concept one will be the question or the, the um, will always be geared to something about you. It'll be something about satisfying the self-concept or the ego. And I, I just refer to self-concept ego as the same thing, right, in, in, this, in this context. But it is, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's always going to be a question about, well, how is that going to make me feel? How is that going to benefit me? 
And it doesn't say it that way, but everything it says is about you. And so that's the biggest difference between it because it's not pure. It's about you. (laughs) So if you think about this, if you just watch this happen, which again is all you have to do is just, if you can watch this, you can see every thought is, well, why would they do that? And really the reason why you're asking that is me. (laughs) How are my kids going to do it? I I, I want my kids to be happy. You want your kids to be happy, right? Like it's everything that you think about is about you. So if you can point and redirect the question, if you see the question that comes in there or the thought, all of those that are generated from the ego are about something something to do with me, I, or myself. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you an example because it feels a little bit more subtle than a thought like, oh, I want that car because it'll make me feel better. So this is a different example, but tell me, is this a conscious thing or is this a ego-generated thought? So for example, I often have lots of ideas constantly but sometimes, like I, you know, yes. I just do. But sometimes, some of them are really feel like more, lack of a better word, more inspired or more yes. of like, where did this idea come from? All of a sudden, like pieces came together, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect idea for a book. Or, um, we'll use that example. Like that just happened yeah. to me on Monday. I was, I think I was driving. I was listening to an Audible book. I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, driving home, like nothing major. And then all of a sudden, it was like, I was like, oh my god, this is like such an amazing idea. No idea really where it came from. I wasn't sitting down drafting out an outline for a book. But at the same time, I did get an emotion out of it. I got excited. I got felt inspired. I got, yeah. you know, I was like my creativity was going. And so in theory, that's I'm that's for myself. So is that the ego or it's, like because I feel like that's what yeah. happens more often. Well, um, well, maybe not more often. More often think, for me. Yeah, I, I think it's, well, I think for, I think for, for in that particular case, I mean, and, and the reality is, is the email came across of not something to benefit necessarily you. There may be a benefit later on, but it wasn't about serving necessarily you. It was about serving the greater good of something you had. And of course you're going to feel well, inspired. Cre- yeah, creativity. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the whole point. You, when you are bringing that level of consciousness down, you've heard people say, God worked through me, right? Mm-hmm. Or conscious, like Eckhart Tolle would talk about, he would say like, consciousness just works through me or Michael Singer will say I sat down and wrote the book with like the help of every other master that's always gone before anyway yeah. anyway you yeah. want to say it right like all, all you is you're using yourself just like you would write it as a computer right you just so the thought drops in and it does it inspires you there's enthusiasm and in that in the big when you're doing that a lot of times it's not about you and it's very clear and it's very pure and you're just sharing it with the the through contribution it's when all of a sudden those thoughts can come in there, then all of a sudden you start to shape it towards you mm. where it starts to go, oh, I love this thought. I wonder how much money I can make from this. Right? I'm just, or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, all of a sudden- Or the, hope no one else takes this exactly, idea. Exactly. Then, then that's yeah. when you start to suffer. Like the Bhagavad Gita talks about that a lot is like, go be laser focused on your goals. Have inspiration, enthusiasm, and joy in everything you do. Just let go of the personal fruit of your action. And personal fruit is just- let go of the personal gain that the ego is trying to obtain from that. And the funny thing is, is when you let go of the personal gain that the ego is looking for, you end up feeling what you're looking for anyways. Mm-hmm. Because you already, you, what you're looking to do is feel inspired and transpired and enthusiasm and love and total well-being. And you actually end up having that when you let go of the fact of trying to serve for it. Otherwise, when you then go make the mistake of trying to go grab it and serve it, uh, for you in some way of serving you, you then start going with those type of thoughts, which jumps in as, how am I going to make money? How am I going to protect this? 
You know, what if somebody's going to grab this? Um, is this a win-win situation? Any of those mm-hmm. things will start mm-hmm. showing up, right? It doesn't mean you're not smart in business. So it d- doesn't mean you can't do that, right? You're just not doing any of that as a way to benefit you. Yeah, so... And, I, and I, I'll just make one yeah. more point. I think um, that's a great example of the other. I think majority, 99% of people's thoughts throughout a day, though, are are about me. Or like, oh, I need this. Yes. Or, or I, how come this car is driving slow in front of me? Yeah, That's me. Yeah. How come the line in front of me is long? That's me. Or why didn't that person answer my email? Why didn't email? that person answer my email? How come they answered it that way? How come this person has responded to me? How come I haven't got invited to this party? How come I'm, you know, I'm not, you know... Uh, running a five minute mile, right? Whatever it is, 99% of your thoughts every day are about you. And so that's what, when you, when you start working from that level of thought, you're working at the lowest vibrational frequency that you can, i.e. you're working with the lower self, the lower part of you. When you get out of that, then you have that total inspiration. You know, when you felt that inspiration, that's how you should feel every moment of every day. And that's what I mean. Times a hundred. That should be that total well-being, that inspiration, because that's when people go, well, why would I want to do anything? It's not nihilism, right? Like, it's not like, it's not like, well, what, what even, what's the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. No, because when you feel like you felt right there, of course you're going to contribute. Mm-hmm. That's just what you want to do. Yeah. And nothing, and there's no mind. All you're doing is you're using your mind analytically to frame out how you can bring that into it, which is the whole point of the mind. It's like a built-in computer. Yeah. And so that's, that's how you, you wake up because again, you, if you listen to them as they wake up with such inspiration and so people are like, why would anybody get out of bed if you felt like that? Well, how can you not? <laughs> yeah. It's like getting up to all I can describe it as is like, you're getting up to go on your favorite vacation every single day. Yes. Times a thousand. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's why it's the joy that, uh, it's the everlasting new joy is what they refer to it as. I say they, the masters. Yeah. It's ever, it's, I'm sorry. It's called ever new joy mm. because the joy is never not new mm. and it always feels new. Like example, it would be like you're going on your favorite vacation times a thousand every morning, but it's not run its course because when you go on your favorite vacation by the end, seventh day, yeah. eighth day, 30th day, something in a relatively short period of time, relatively, it starts to lose its luster, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So again, it's the ever new joy because it's not coming from something outside. Right. It's purely coming from within. And then you just, that's how you walk through life. And then you become a blessing to every single person that's out there. And it starts, by the way, so how do you get there, right? It's as you're like, okay, I want more of that, right? It's if what it is. It's who you are, but we've stored all this garbage inside us. Some scars, we've stored these experiences, we've clung on to them, we've hung on to them. Now we got to start really moving these things out so that we start to feel more of this on an everyday basis, which again is the entire purpose of your life. Literally, the entire purpose of your life is to wake up and remove that garbage so you can experience what it's like to be here. You know, I, I shared this, um, my aunt had a passed away last year and she had a celebration of life. And my brother was telling me this, one of their friends came up there and he's a, I think it's a Saxon, Saxton, somebody who takes care of graveyards. Anyways, it's something along those words. I don't um, know. But uh, I think that's the name of it. But he said he's met three people that had near, near death experiences. And we've had uh, an individual in our world that's had a near death experience too, for seven or eight minutes actually. Um, and he's, so something similar, but not. Anyways, this guy came up and was was talking. And he said, "I have three near death experiences, and one of the ways I've had a lightness in life is because every single one of them, independently of each other, they didn't know each other, and at different years and different eras of the world, have basically came back and said, I wish the doctors had never saved me because what I experienced over there was so overwhelmingly joy and total well being. I, mm-hmm. I added like total like well-being. love, but just joy. yes, that's all yeah. they can express was was so high and so ecstatic 
an ecstasy, right? That was the word that he used that I wish I had never come back here. But then I, I pause and I go, and my, cause my brother's like, oh, it makes me feel good about life after death. I go, dude, that's what the whole point of enlightenment is, is so you can feel that while you're here in this physical world. And that's the whole work that we do is so that when you wake up, you can feel that every day, right? While you're interacting with life, which is why what you do is secondary. It's important, but it's not the absolute importance. The absolute importance is how you show up in your intention to whatever it is that you're doing. And that's really, so that's, when you start putting your yourself to the deeper awareness, that's what you're orienting yourself through. You're getting outside of mind and you're redirecting the focus to focus on the I am, who am I in every situation, which is a path to reaching those higher states of consciousness. Um, this is a little off topic, but I feel like I just wanted to share it because you probably heard this too, but also it's just that whole what's on the other side of the human experience, right? So did you see that new article that came up that out that said the new research puts the age of the universe at 26.7 billion years? I did not. Can you please forward it to me? I sure can. So this is what this is what um, I actually saw it on Joe Rogan, um, his Instagram. But what he said is what what's crazy is 13.7 billion years is already beyond our grasp of understanding. <laughs> and now we're thinking that the universe could be twice as old. How long before new research and new technology doubles that again? And how long before they figure out that there was no beginning? Mm. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of almost yeah. what we talk about sometimes. Exactly. It's just like time really is this weird illusion and this strange construct. And we come into this human form and we think everything is so important. And we're here for like a flash and we're out. Yeah. Until we. But yet it is. But yet we do serve a. Yes. Purpose. The purpose is to is to work on yourself to evolve the the larger consciousness of the world, or what? what I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, they, and ourselves, but through that, doing well, y yourselves the world. are all part of it. It's yeah, like a yeah, wave yeah. is never separate from the ocean, right? And I actually, I think you mentioned it, made me think, um, in an email that you wrote this morning about that that life is just life is. I don't know if this is what you meant from yeah. it, but from what I took from it, is that like life is just just is. It just is, and like this twenty six point seven billion. That's all part of it. The only, yeah, that's, that's and such, it's just it's this wonderful. like thing, yeah. and we're just in and, it. And, and there is, there, you're right. They will find at some point they'll realize there was no beginning. beginning. It's just everything, and yeah. who you are is just a you. It's literally like I. It's yeah, there's like Earth thing people refer to as whatever it is, yeah. but like it's like a. I feel like literally I think of it as like a vacation, like like a like you just come down the Earth. You're here for a little while. It's like you're doing some things. You're working on yourself. You're working on every human is working on consciousness, and then you go back. And you right. kind of go back there and you're like, all right, what am I going to drop in now? Like, what is, whatever it is, I'm just going to go there. And, it's like, and there's probably, I mean, this is just, you know, there's no physical proof of this, but like there's probably way different vast variations of planets like this you can come to. I mean, yeah. if you think of 27 billion years, like we're just throwing numbers out there. It's yeah. probably forever. Like there is no beginning. Yeah. Well, there's like, other there's other planets in the you know exactly. 26.7 billion years ago. The only you know, the only thing I'll say is then we can we can end on this topic this point is that though remember the only reason why anybody ever suffers and this is ties it all together is because the mind is telling you to suffer. Life is very simple if the mind gets out of the way. But then why were humans designed that way? Well, they developed an ego for part of some level of consciousness right. for whatever reason we've developed consciousness. Animals don't. So, so for some reason, and humans started developing developing a self concept ego. Not we all were yes. already had consciousness. Yes, we all we every human and every animal yes. is conscious. Correct. Even the most unconscious humans are conscious. 
they're just not aware that they're conscious. Correct. But but you said that humans developed a consciousness, but we already have. I'm sorry. Humans have developed an ego, ego. or self-concept. Correct. Correct. And yeah. that's, that's literally the fall of the garden. Yeah, I mean, that like is the, the now, it's not literally like some freaking fruit fell off a tree, right? I'm yeah, yeah. sorry. It's like, it's, it's not really what it, it's literally, you develop a self-concept that you've developed about yourself that you start seeing yourself as. Which began our separation really between exactly. us and God. Yes. And all we, all we're doing is trying to get back to being God-like or yes. Christ-like when that really just means, a, I mean, that's one religious of yes. way of sharing it, but you're right. Like in the grander scheme of things, it's just trying to get us back to being one with God or to become more, I was listening to this woman and she was talking about, you know, how really her whole purpose in life now is to work on becoming closer to God and being, becoming yes. more Christ-like. Yes. And I'm like, that's basically what we're, she's just saying it through the religious yeah. context, but that's what we're talking about. Just like getting yes back and the awareness or whatever to become more part of yes consciousness. Yeah. But you know what I think is, I just wanted to share this about her. She's, I've followed her for, gosh, I probably followed her for like eight years or so on Instagram. And it's so funny because I've seen her evolution too as just a, a person and a, yeah. and a mom and a, a wife and everything. But she was one of those incredibly hardcore um, like influencers, entrepreneurs. And it was like, I'm doing my my hustle hour and my grinding and my I'm doing my goal setting. I'm hosting a goal setting workshop. And then just yesterday she was like, I don't even really want to talk about goals anymore. <laughs> I don't feel like I even have goals. Yeah. I'm just feel, I know that the things that are coming into my life and then I'll act on them if they feel like they're the right thing. And she does it from a very religious context, yeah. but regardless, she's saying the exact same things yeah. that like, we've even been talking about, like it's harder to, and I don't know about you, but I feel like it is harder to get excited about a goal. It doesn't mean that I'm still don't want to work towards things like writing a book or whatever, well, but I don't get ex as it. I think what people... I don't know what a, that is. So it's a phase of, of personal development or spiritual growth. And what happens is in that phase, you start to realize the reason why you were setting goals was to satisfy the ego. Yes. That was the only yes, reason. Yes. So what happens is when right. you start to let go of the ego, you realize you don't need to set goals for the ego anymore. And what you realize is life itself is a goal and it becomes clearer as to why you were doing that in the first place. And so right. you naturally start going away from that. It doesn't mean you're still doing the same thing. You kind of are, right? Yeah. It's just, you're yeah. no longer doing it. And then you're, you're, you're saying it because when people will say in that phrase, they'll go, well, I don't really feel like setting goals, but I still like setting goals. Like it's almost yeah. like, because what you do is the different part of you starts right. to set a goal. And she's making more money, making significant contributions on a lot of different nonprofits that she's very passionate about. She's making huge, huge contributions, but one, we don't really hear about them. Like she specifically will say, I'm not going to talk about them. Yeah, it's like, and a, like it's it, exactly like Eckhart yeah. Tolle. At one point, I've heard I've listened to almost everything that most of our current spiritual teachers like listen to or, or speak about. And I yeah. think one time I heard him say he gives away the majority of all of his earnings privately. Like he just gives them. Yeah. Like he doesn't have any of those things that. Are, and again, he he they don't publicize it, it post it on Twitter. They, right. Because they don't. There's no. There's no need to at all. But that's the whole point. That's that's the path that people go on is they realize that you don't need a goal to satisfy the ego because that's the only reason why people are doing most goals anyways is because they mm -hmm. that ego is spoiled and it wants to be spoiled continually. When you mm -hmm. stop giving it attention, you start to realize what you were doing was running on a hamster wheel. And then you stop and you pause and realize, "Hold on. None of this makes any sense." And then you then you this is all part of the different phases that people go through and you start to recalibrate and then you start to figure out how to interact with the world mm -hmm. 
by just kind of an expression. You and I look different, right? Like we have different hair, different races, we're different genders, all this different stuff. But you're just here just for a second. It's like people take it so serious. Yeah. If you just pause for a second and realize, for what? There's never ever been in the history of life somebody who's got something that they wanted and never not wanted something else. (laughs) I mean, I guess the only thing I can think of, and some of you listening might think this too, is that, because I agree, like, why are we taking everything so seriously? Maybe with ourselves, but I do feel like some sort sort of responsibility to be taking things seriously in terms of, like, humanity and the world. Well, if people really want to do that, they would work on themselves. If you really, really wanted to work on humanity and consciousness, because really what you're saying is that the general flow and change of consciousness Well, and I mean, like, you. poverty and human trafficking and all the Hold terrible on. things that happen in the world. So, again... The number one way to change all that is to change the level of consciousness in society. When that happens, there is no having to fix human trafficking. There is no having to fix anything because it doesn't exist. So if you really want to really work in terms of like, sure, and there's things that you can do that you can help out. I'm not denying any of those things. They're wonderful. But just like Michael would say, if you're doing that to make yourself feel better, it's still ego. It's just activism is ego is what he refers to it as. So yeah, meaning and, and and to like I get that and I'm like it still helps other people even if it's coming from the ego. But so what it what it, it just what, may not last long term. What, what it's really doing is though is that you're just putting yourself back into an egoic state of consciousness as a collective consciousness because it's just a different form of the ego doing it. That's my point. So if you really want to really change all of this, consciousness has to shift, which hopefully it is, right? I mean mm-hmm. there is a yeah, trend yeah. going there. Where like over the next hundreds and maybe thousands of years, there will be a shift in consciousness. So it becomes much easier to live here. And, and the reason there won't be wars because it won't. The only reason why there's a war is because you go, I see it the way I want to see it. You don't see it the way you see it. And by the way, we have this little piece of paper that says we own this area. <laughs> it's actually quite funny when you think of it that way. Nobody owns anything, right? That's why like in Fiji, they actually, they don't even use the term. They use the, um, it's, they use a shark's tooth that they use to actually pass on things and they always use the word borrow. So somebody will come in and they'll say, can I borrow a watermelon? And there's a cl- clearly they're going to eat the watermelon, right? Mm. But they only use the word borrow because it was never yours. And so that's just their way of how they think about things is every kind of borrow your land literally would be the phrase, not buy it, not do anything. It's kind of borrow anything. You have to borrow sneakers, whatever it is, because again, they're not going to give it back. It's just their way of thinking, right? Is that, Nothing was ever yours, and so therefore, we're just all borrowing it anyways. And you're just you're borrowing time. You're borrowing, and so you could say that. Into I mean, how do you feel about that concept? I mean, um, does that work in the way our society is set up? Well, mechanically, right now, it might be challenging to do that um, in the United States. But I think, generally speaking, I think if if again, if you as you just shared earlier, if you want to really change those aspects of things. If people would work on themselves to a degree um, of bringing more conscious with themselves, it'll change the things that are, um, are problems right now. And so really, where do you start? Start by listening. Start by listening to other people. Start by doing the work. It's always simple. Start with something small. Relax, release, and surrender. That's really what it is. Relax, release, and surrender, and that'll take you on its way. Hey, everybody. Before you go, Helen and I wanted to ask you for a favor. As business owners, you understand that reviews and testimonials are an essential part of growing your business and reaching new audiences. Well, from two business owners to another, we would be incredibly grateful if you could support us by leaving a review. 
it does really help us get the podcast in the hands of other conscious business owners. So thank you.